Welcome back. This is the Northern Minor Podcast, Episode 7. Uh, this is Matthew Keevil sitting beside my co-host. Leslie Stokes. And this is about the third time we've this recorded this. This is our third time recording yeah. this one specific episode. Yeah, we're having a bit of a Groundhog Day moment. Full disclosure, <laughs> yeah. I had a bit of a technical glitch, so we are actually recording this on Monday morning. We usually record on Thursdays. Over the weekend, Microsoft awesomely updated my computer to Windows 10, which subsequently reformatted my uh, portable hard drive mass storage unit oh, God. and wiped about like three gigs of data, including the uh, previous podcast recording. So some of the stuff we're, uh, we're going at here, we've already done. And the jokes might. We're, we're trying to. We're trying to make it as off the cuff as usual, but uh, <laughs> this is. Yeah, this is. Yeah, uh, we, this we is basically like, have a script right now. <laughs> yeah, we're basically we're pretty well tuned into what we're talking about this week. So, uh, being Monday morning, we do have the added benefit, I suppose, of dealing with this week's commodity prices or what's going on today. Yes, which is better news than last week. Yeah, things are going pretty well. So, as we usually do, we'll just quickly start out with uh, a little metal uh, um, update on metal prices. Firstly, uh, copper was at uh, US $2.09 a pound this morning uh, when I walked into studio again. Um, gold was at US $1,258 an ounce, so it's doing really well. Um, and I just did a quick on back of the napkin calculation. That's about $1,635 an ounce Canadian. So Ooh, going along, if you're a Canadian so producer, yeah, got to mm-hmm. be pretty happy with that. And West Texas Intermediate was sitting at US $40.31 a barrel. So that's good. Um, so yeah, so that puts gold at about a three-week high. Um, as we've talked about exhaustively over the last month, the Federal Open Market Committee keeps changing their tune on interest rates. They're flip-flopping around yeah. like a goldfish out of the bowl. So they, <laughs> once again, <laughs> once again, they're like, now they're like, oh, we don't know. Uh, we were talking about how there was supposed to be an interest rate increase in April, and that's since pretty much been poo-pooed. Mm. Um, so they said that. Uh, there's actually, I have this funny thing, and it's, there's like an, there's odds for whether the U.S. policymakers will increase interest rates this year. There's like actual like Vegas odds. So this is from the Fed Fund Futures database. And right now the the odds that U.S. policymakers will increase rates by December has dropped to 49%. So under 50%. So uh, they might not even do it at all this year. Um, The other thing that's kind of helped out is is some okay Chinese data came out from China. Well, obviously from China, it's Chinese data uh, today. So they had some good uh, consumer price index stuff that met... uh, Met expectations. And then also it's a big week for Chinese data, like for the economy. Because this week we have the M2 money supplies coming out, new loans data, trade balance, uh, foreign direct investment, GDP, industrial production, and retail sales. So like going to get a big whacking update on on China and how uh, the economy is trucking along. And pretty soon we have that April 17th OPEC meeting on their discussions on what they're going to be doing with production. Yeah, that's really big. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of moving parts right now. Yeah. And we had talked about how uh, copper was, um, you know, is tied obviously quite a bit to the performance of, of the industrial economy in China. Um, and we'd also talked about how sh- Shanghai copper inventories are up 107% year to date. So they've kind of been like hoarding copper and everyone's like, <laughs> why are you doing this? Your economy is not that good. But so now the Shanghai copper inventories are at uh, 369,000 tons. 
Uh, so there's some speculation that they could come, uh, the country could become an exporter, which could obviously Crazy. impact producers because it might uh, flood the market with a little bit extra copper. So, um, and the other thing we talked about was, uh, I mean, we're doing through this is so funny because like I've done this all already. <laughs> so I'm like, the next thing we're talking about because I remember <laughs> is uh, I got the Canaccord Genuity quarterly gold equity update. So they just uh, ran through kind of what's going on in the equity space. So interestingly enough, uh, Gold equities and Canaccord's coverage space uh, have outperformed the gold price so far this year. They're up about 30% year-to-date as a basket. Um, and then, uh, so they, they just mentioned some of the some of the big guys. Like Kinross is actually the best-performing North American large-cap gold equity, up 86% year-to-date. But like we mentioned before, they had a lot. A they bigger, were down pretty low. Yeah, they, they had, had a bigger of... hill to climb. So yeah, it's yeah. all relative, right? Um <laughs> And then the other one they talked about, everyone really likes Igniko because they have a really nice production profile, a lot of gold in Canada. Mm-hmm. And one of the big catalysts that uh, Canaccord mentioned in their in their update was the Amarouk draw oh, results. Yes. And mm-hmm. uh, so Amarouk. I thought, well, well, I didn't think. We already know what's going to happen next. <laughs> we, we thought it would be cool because Leslie's really familiar with Amarouk because she's talked to the guys at Agnico quite a bit. Oh, I'm always knows. after them. Every yeah. single time they have a booth, I'm like jumping on top of their drill core. be like, tell me more, tell me more. So they're doing a, they were, or I'm not sure it's wrapped up yet. They called it a winter drilling program. So I'm assuming it's pretty close to done now, but results are supposed to come out in the next three to four weeks. Yeah. Well, they're going to be looking at doing a significant amount of drilling yeah. this year. They got about 75,000 meters Holy. planned. Yeah. So this is a big thing. Like this is like a lot of people mention this is one of the really significant gold discoveries by major. I think it's recently, probably right? like the fastest growing gold discovery so, yeah. in Canada right now. So and Leslie's really familiar with this. So she's yeah. going to give you the- <laughs> She's going to give you the the the, uh, the proverbial Coles notes on Amarouk because well, it's try coming my best. up. Yeah, so let's let's launch into it. Well, I like I like Amarouk specifically because it seems it's such a good news story for Agnico. Um, they have that Meadowbank mine that's 50 kilometers to the south, yep. and they're expecting the reserves like to, for, for the mine to reach its end of life mm-hmm. in the third quarter 2018. Yep. And so they started kind of digging around in 2013, trying to find you know well what else is just outside the doorstep. And they came across like the IVR, which are these discontinuous lenses that kind of like, like zed around. Um, and they started drilling into them, but there wasn't anything too continuous. So they just kept on stepping the drill rig back, yep. like in a zigzag motion until they like stumbled upon the whale tail. And it's called that because um, it's like located at the edge of a lake that's in the shape of a whale tail. And that's oh, okay. because the lake is taking on the structural liniment of that mineralized corridor, mm. which is, uh, so that's why it's called whale tail. So and that's so a they cool started, reason to name it that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. And, yeah. uh, so they've just been, um, like, I guess the mineralization there, it's kind of, if you can imagine, it's like the butter that's sandwiched between these two chromatiatic like intrusives okay. that are really rigid. And so all the mineralization is just like in the center of that. And that's been traced for 2.3 kilometers. Wow. And 400 meters deep or 600 meters 600 deep. 600 meters And yeah. I mean, and they started drilling this thing basically in 2014. So, I mean, you look at the size of that mineralization compared to the short period of time that they've had to do it in, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, it's been growing at a really uh, in significant rate. Like, yeah. It's been pretty crazy. They do have a, do they have a resource yeah, on that Yeah, they now? do. It's um, Okay, so they, they've found so far 3.3 million ounces of gold. Oh, wow. And 16.9 million tons of six grams. Ooh, that's that's a kick and grade. That's really good. And yeah. that's, of course, up 67% from their last estimate. So it keeps on trucking along. Now, mind you, those are inferred ounces. Yeah. We got to remember. I'll always remember. <laughs> it's very, very important now yeah. to mention. Yeah. So these are inferred ounces. And I don't, I'm not too sure. I think it's uh, like about 50 meters centers. Uh, don't quote me on that. But, okay. um, and, and they're focused on inferred because I was talking to the boys and I said, well, you know, when are you going to start drawing this up into something a little bit more measured? And, uh, 
And sorry, so I was just checking our because yeah, last time we had we've just, had so many. I'm sorry to like sidetrack. <laughs> we've had so many technological problems that like I'm checking the 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 audio like the digital recorders and all our equipment because I I just I'm so paranoid now that yeah I know I looked over at you and you're like your eyes went a little bit wide. I'm like oh my god what's wrong? Everything's good. So <laughs> okay, we can continue. Okay, sorry, continue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and so um oh gosh where where was I? So they're planning on um they had a big drill pro- program this year. Big drill is, program is this the year. Is the end result a new resource then by the end of the year? Yeah. Yeah, so, so they're going to be bringing yeah. out new resources, but they're going to be keeping to infer. They want to see how big this thing okay. can possibly so be. It's, it's so they're tracing it. Thing, yeah. yeah. And the cool thing is that I really like about Amaruk mm-hmm. is that um, the mineralization, that mineralized corridor, because it's like intrusive units, there's a lot of peritite in it, which yep. is slightly magnetic pyrite. Yep. Um, you can really trace that bad boy in geophysics. In f- with the geophys, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And then you can see like the, the anomaly in geophysics extending across whale tail and then beyond and then beneath the Mammoth Lake, and that's where they're going to be focusing those 75,000 meters. Mm-hmm. That's your physical anomaly that they've, it's like at least four kilometers. Yeah, it's big. Yeah. And it, yeah. Con- and it continues. So, like, they're going to be doing that. They're going to be coming out with some really positive results, I'm sure. And one of the things you mentioned was um, Meadow Meg's mine life and how this kind of, yeah. kind of serendipitously times so, with when they might run out of feed at the main ore body that they can maybe start putting whale tail right into the mill depending yeah. on metallurgy obviously they'll have to do all the yes it's true metallurgical testing but, but yeah yeah so 2019 they think that they could probably get amaruk so, on the go yeah and that's kind of perfectly overlaps with the end of life how lucky is that that's really yeah that's why another reason it's such a i think the discovery has caught so many people's attention is because it, it kind of segues into the mill feed situation so flawlessly like yeah. like one of them's kind of going to be exhausted and they'll probably have a little bit of stockpile it just makes stuff, me wonder everyone's always talking about it. deposits are being so hard to find it's yeah. all undercover i'm just like but is it because yeah. you hear these stories sometimes you're just like guys really yeah these guys just found a huge i mean yeah. <laughs> and the other ones that uh, oh. the t-max hope bay thing is going on up there too right so there's could be some none of it's looking pretty or none of it's looking pretty good for for gold discoveries so we'll see there's a lot of it um, but yeah, so that that came across our desk, and it, it continues to. Amaru continues to because analysts really like it, and there should be some uh, pretty fun drill results coming out in the next three to four weeks. I would think they'd start coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, so keep your eyes on that one. That's really uh, that's uh, continues to roll, and you'll, you'll probably have some coverage on it once those results start. Oh, I'm going to go up there. Oh yeah, you're I'm knocking on their door. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, guys, can I come up? Can I come up? Please take me. And on they the they want visit. to, so we're it's it's in. Discussions. It's in discussions. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. sure they'll they'll uh, put together an analyst visit or something pretty soon. So, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. so staying on the the gold train, um, the other thing that I had uh, an interview and we we talked about this a little bit was with uh, Richard Wark from uh, well Catalyst Copper, who just did a, a merger with Newcastle Gold, who has the Castle Mountain uh, past producing heap leach mine in California in San Bernardino County. So it's about uh, give or take 90 kilometers south of Las Vegas, I think. Um, and I had a chat with him because he's an interesting guy to talk to. Uh, if people don't remember, uh, Richard Wark was, uh, well, one with Fantana Gold who sold uh, to a big gold deposit to, I think it was Ike Batista who bought it, who's the big Brazilian millionaire, but it was in Colombia. Um, and Richard Wark was behind that. And then he also, the one that more p- people might be a bit more familiar with is the Hud Bay deal. Uh, who, they bought Augusta uh, Resources for the Rosemont deposit in Arizona, I believe it's in Arizona. And... That was for about five hundred fifty-five million. So Richard's done a few pretty <laughs> big deals in the last, let's say, five to six years. So it was interesting because there was these two kind of little juniors, and they didn't have really giant valuations. They were like, you know, thirty cents a share or something. They were both out when they did the merger. So it didn't really, you know, 
the bells and whistles didn't go off for any sort of monetary reason. Like it wasn't like a massive deal. But then you look at who's behind it and it's Richard Wark and the other person who's jumping on the board of Newcastle is Frank Justra. So right. there's two kind of mind financier type names. You're like, whoa, though, that's kind of impressive. Um, so what they did was, uh, it's actually an interesting story. The background, uh, I was talking to Richard Wark about it. And Catalyst Copper was actually a uh, vehicle that he, uh, Frank Juster and Ian Telfer of Silver Wheat and Gold Corp fame, um, were looking at building, and I quote, uh, we wanted to build something in the copper space along the same lines as Wheaton River and Gold Corp. So like, think big. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they were doing that. And uh, interestingly, because we talk about copper a lot, copper exploration, low prices, how the copper guys are kind of struggling right now. And he said they were looking at assets in the copper space and they were just not good. Like he's like, Oh, really? Yeah, it's like, it was like, we were, he was like, we were looking around for stuff and it was just, you know, uh, and he quotes again, he says, uh, the assets just didn't stick up, uh, stack up to conservative commodity pricing. So like, he's like, there's all these juniors and they have a lot of copper deposits that are in like, copper grades of you know under 0.3 percent copper right right and that's a lot of these guys have like market caps that are like 20 million and he's like and they've got billion dollar capex and he's like i can just never see any of these guys building these deposits right especially uh -huh. now so what happened was uh richard and frank decided they were going to go back to gold because gold's pretty good we just talked today about how it's so about 16 1600 <laughs> canadian like over so 16 canadian so they started looking at gold deposits ian telfer kind of went off to do his own thing so he's not involved anymore um, but they ended up merging with Newcastle Gold, who used to be Castle Mountain Gold, named after the project. Right. They've been around for a while. So it was interesting. So they merged in together. And this thing is uh, pretty good. It was a past producing mine. It Between 91 and 2001, it cranked out about 1.2 million ounces at a head grade of 1.47 grams gold. So it's pretty good for an oxide mine. Like, that's pretty, that's a pretty good grade. Um, so they bought it. And there's, like, a lot of drilling on it. Like, uh, Newcastle alone has done 21,000 meters since they bought it in, I think, four years ago, around four years ago. Um, and it's got a resource on it, 220 million measured indicated tons, grading 0 0.59 gram gold per ton for 4.1 million contained ounces. So it's pretty big. Like, right. Those are a lot of ounces there. Um, the issue, of course is that A, they were running out of money, and B, their, their share price is getting a bit pummeled. So uh, Richard and Frank coming in gives them access, better access to capital markets. They're coming into the deal with $4 bucks. And the interesting thing Richard told me was that uh, it had been more of a production story. Like people were like, oh, when's this thing going to get into production? Like, right. Right. Yeah, like, like the old manager. Pick he's it like, up, pick it up, pick yeah, it up. Yeah. And he's like, well, you know what? We're coming in and we're looking yeah. at all the old data because it's a past producing mine. So they're looking at the geophysics and they're looking at the geochem and all the drilling that's been done. And he said, we actually want to take a step back and, you know, take this back to an exploration stage because we can add material ounces. So Just like Agnico, I guess. I yeah, know. yeah. So See how big it can right? get. And so they're looking at this thing as kind of a company builder, right? So they're yeah. like, if we can get this thing up to a certain size, it has some grandfather permit, so it's not as huge of a deal in California to, to permit it back into production. There's right, yeah, because you don't things. think of mining in California No, so what much. do you think? Yeah, you <laughs> I think Joni Mitchell. Joni Mitchell, <laughs> Napa, some nice wines. And wines. Yeah, And a place Valley. I really want to go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, some I don't, surfing, honestly. Yeah, some yeah. Not exactly mining, but... So, yeah, he said, uh, one of the other quotes he said, interestingly, pursuant to permitting, was that uh, the moment you say California, everyone has a tendency to take a second look at the regulatory environment, right. for sure. <laughs> but he said, in this instance, it's a historic producer and the majority of permits are in place. So he said uh, he thinks 
you know, getting it back into production permit wise is achievable in a comfortable time frame. Now, I have no idea what a comfortable time frame is. That's an interesting adjective to it's put on. It's so vague. Yeah. But <laughs> it's, it's like reasonable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he thinks it's pretty good. So it was interesting to me just because you got <laughs> these guys and him and Frag are jumping on the board. Management is going to stay the same. The VPX and the uh, CEO should remain unchanged. So they're, they're keeping the guys who have advanced the deposit through. Um, and then, yeah, so it's interesting. So, uh, and another thing, there is actually breaking news on this story. Oh, it cool. just came down this morning. This morning, um, right. Yeah, Newcastle just uh, closed a deal with Franco Nevada. Uh, so they created a new 2.65% royalty on the Castle Mountain project mm-hmm. and got 2.2 million. Deal. Yeah. 2.2 million? Yeah, 2.2 million for the right. royalty. And there's another 1.2 million in just like uh, uh, just equity, like a f- financing kind of thing. So 3.4 million altogether. So with the 4 million they had, they're now looking at about 7.4 million. Right. So Richard was saying, as soon as they the deal closes, which is scheduled, I think for May, they're going to get in there with the drills and just and punch this thing. So it should. It's interesting, and just because you do have such. Uh, you know, you know what they call heavy hitters in the uh, capital market sphere jumping on board to make this kind of gold vehicle. Um, and he said, yeah, they're looking for other stuff, so they're still looking for gold. And he said, yeah, it's pretty hard to find stuff in Canada, right? But uh, they're looking for the Americas, so they're. But they said they don't want marginal assets. Hard to like find it. things exactly. in Canada. Exactly. And, Come uh, on. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We just talked about. Amber. We just talked about. Yeah, yeah that aren't in Canada. Seriously, because yeah. they're not looking. So people, people yeah. think they're like, oh well, you know, I really don't think there's a deposit there, so I'm just not going to bother looking and it's just like well that's a bit of yeah confirmation bias and uh um, (laughs) interestingly (laughs) this was uh the castle mountain or aka newcastle was was the company was far enough along that bmo is actually has coverage on them which you don't see in a junior a lot bmo usually covers like large caps so interestingly uh our our uh, friend of the northern miner andrew cape who's the managing director i think of research at bmo now um and he he was with haywood and andrew's been around for a long time but he uh put a uh and a research note on the Newcastle following the deal with Catalyst, which is uh, Richard Work and Frank Schuster's company. And BMO models Castle Mountain as a heap leap operation with the capacity to produce 165,000 ounces per year at cash cost of $719 per ounce, U.S. dollars. Okay. So it's it's a material asset. Like, it could, it could crank stuff out. And then Andrew added that uh, the deal strengthens the company through the addition of seasoned mine finance veterans. So yeah, that's the biggest thing. That's why it came across my desk because, I mean, whenever you see those names kind of hopping on board, you, you know, your radar goes off a little bit. Well, yeah, they, don't, they, do. they tend to get themselves involved with projects that they believe in. Otherwise, yeah. they wouldn't put their name to it. Exactly, right? And so, and just fu- just to wrap up uh, the Newcastle stuff, I, the other thing I talked to Richard about that was interesting is, is being a guy who's pretty tied into Capital Marks. I asked him, like, well, like, what's the environment like out there? Like, do you see more mo- generalist money coming in? Or, like, is, do you think it'll be a bit easier for junior guys to get their hands on exploration capital and stuff? And he said, no. <laughs> he says, I'm still not seeing, and this is another uh, quote, uh, money coming into the sector in a huge way. Um, there's a bit of generalist capital taking a look, but he thinks that uh, until the financial market concerns are sorted out, uh, China, Europe, some of the macro uh, stuff, it's going to remain pretty tough for, for people to raise money. But hey, you can still sell your royalty. You can, of course you can. Oh, that's another thing I we didn't mention, but I'll just mention it now because we're on the subject. One of the other things I got from the Canaccord quarterlies was an update on the streaming guys. So uh, Franco, Cisco, Royal Gold, oh, yeah. Silver Wheaton. Okay, and they have a lot of money. Like, yeah, like so they were like, yeah, I, was like <laughs> I was like, these guys have so much liquidity that they could mobilize to pick up stuff. Yeah, I mean, like, look how much deals the Cisco has been doing yeah, lately. It's insane. And same, Franco just, yeah, like, and uh, Royal Gold just picked up the Rainy River thing from oh, New Gold. Um, okay. And so Franco has, uh, Franco Nevada, uh, this doesn't, I don't think include the Newcastle deal, but it, it, it's small in the grand scheme of things. Uh, Franco has $1 billion in liquidity. 
So they, yeah. uh, they can mobilize. Uh, Cisco has between 500 and 650 million in liquidity they can mobilize. Royal Gold's a bit of, of a lag because they just did a big deal with Rainy River and New Gold. Uh, they have 300 million <sighs> liquidity on the books. And then Silver Wheaton just closed, I think it was a $550 million offering. And so they have 1.2 billion. So there's a lot of money. Yeah, here, right? <laughs> all like, at the top the of miners. There, but it's, yeah, it's like <laughs> close to three to three and a half billion dollars kicking around. Oh, yeah. They, can buy your royalties. Yeah. Yeah. Sell me your royalties. Yeah. Sell me it. Sell me it. Do it. So yeah. So <laughs> you know you want to. Yeah. It's like that sounded like Gollum. From like, My precious royalties. Um. So yeah. So that kind of wraps that up. So keep. Uh. I think my article. Uh, on my interview with Richard is going to be running this week. So keep an eye open for that and keep an eye on the company because there's some pretty big players getting involved. So the drill results should probably start rolling out later this year. So that'll be interesting. So I thought we'd mention that. The other thing that we have, um, and this one's really cool because you don't get this opportunity too often, is Leslie had to talk to De Beers. Oh, yeah, right? and I did. For, for people who aren't maybe as aware, De Beers is a little bit tough from a media angle to get well, historically, yeah. down on an interview. Yeah. Like, they're like, because they're private, so the, the you know, disclosure requirements being what they are. Mm. You know, they haven't always been, like, an open-door media policy, but apparently that's changing. Right? Yeah, well, you know, uh, like I was uh, mentioning the last podcast, mm. <laughs> I, was, I, was up at, I was up visiting Kennedy Diamonds. Oh, that's right, yeah. And that's at the um, doorstep of Gachukwe. Gachukwe, yeah. De Beers' uh, brand new That's line. their Kennedy North project. Yeah. yeah, and so when I was there, it was like I was with um, Patrick Evans, and he had to go visit the De Beers mine, the Gachukwe, for a bit because, of course, he's Mount Province. Yeah. Mount Province and De Beers, that's their joint venture. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he was like, Leslie, you have to stay here in the core shack. I'm like, that's not a problem. Hiding I love the- core, yeah. <laughs> but I would really love to go visit Gachu yeah. And then Patrick's like, no, Leslie, you have to stay here because they've heard that there's a reporter and they've instructed me <laughs> very, very strict orders that you're not allowed anywhere near the mine. I was, no like, reporters. I was like, okay, can I have a piece of Kimberlite? He's like, we'll talk about that later. And so um, that was basically the, as close as I ever got to De Beers until actually I spoke with Kim Truder, the CEO of De Beers Canada. Oh, just cool. Last okay. week. Yep. So he was giving me some updates on the um, on the company. Yep. And the biggest thing that he thought uh, he pointed out was that they're moving their headquarters from they Toronto. Were in, yeah, they were in Toronto. Now right. to Calgary. Calgary. Because there's so much open office space, I guess. Oh, yeah. You, you, Bob, judging by the, I've heard, like, this is not a commercial real estate podcast, but I have heard through, I have buddies who work <laughs> in the business that Calgary, there's, the vacancy rates are a little bonkers. Like, it's, uh, they could probably, they're probably saving some uh, some money on uh, on that move, I would imagine. Well, yeah, and then he said that the reason why they're doing it is because so that they can get closer to their operations in the north to sense. service their needs more. Yeah, that makes sense, Yeah, too. so, yeah. Um, and he was saying how it's going to be, like, a really modern office. He's <laughs> oh, really no. excited about it. And, <laughs> and everything's going to be, like, digitized. Or oh, not no. digitized, but, like, digital. And, yeah, they're, they're taking like, a very progressive approach. Like silk, like Google or something. Like that? <laughs> yeah, it's like there's like he says we're taking a big inspiration from from Google and Apple. Oh as man! Like so our... it's like there's self-driving cars like crashing <laughs> through the walls at the op- like oh no who's driving that car? And it's like nobody nobody yeah. is driving it. That's Google the had to fix it. Yeah, Google, Google had it. To fix Google it. it quickly. There's a car it drove through the wall. That's... Silicon Valley inspired offices yeah. where cars crash themselves. So yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> 
car is made out of diamonds. Out of di- oh no. Yeah. And so um, that was that was his news. So they are in preparation to do that. And I believe that that's all happening in June. Very cool. And so um, and of course, like being closer to the operations up north is a big deal for them because Gatchaque is actually going to become their second largest diamond producer within the portfolio. That's right. Yeah. Outside of their what is it? Uh, I can't pronounce it. Juanang mine in Botswana. In Botswana, yeah. Yeah, which produced 9.8 million carats um, last year. Now with the Gatchaque operation, that's going to be um, producing 4.5 million carats a year. And they're expecting that to get into production by the um, second half this year, too. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. yeah. And um, so, I don't know, it's, it's pretty good news for up north because, you know, with Snap, with Lake, Snap Lake closing yeah. last December. Well, yeah, interestingly, I, during Roundup, I had a chance, and we I think we just talked to him at PDC, too. Someone wrote an article up on it. It was either Trish or Selma, I think. Um, and they talked to Bob McLeod, who's the premier of the Northwest Territories, and he was saying, yeah, they, they've, they've been pretty hard hit by the downturn. So any, any sort of activity up there, especially after the closure of Snap Lake, is big news for the territory. Like It is. Like, they're really excited for, for Gatchaquay, and hopefully Kennedy can, can get uh, kick it along. Because we were just talking, they're just, uh, Kennedy just did the, the management. Uh, rollover, right? Yeah, because they're they're trying to kind of get like cut the umbilical cord between them and Mountain Province. Yeah, and, and so and that's why Patrick Evans stepped down as CEO and he's been replaced. Yeah, and that's and the, a lot of the analysts are saying that's sort of a, a precursor to some possible consolidation in the, in the diamond space in terms of Kennedy, uh, Mountain Province, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Like that relationship, they kind of wanted to make it a little bit more independent. So if some uh, M and A does come down the pipe in that regard, then it can be a little. There's more independent members involved on the board and executive level. So that's so we'll keep our eyes open for that because I keep hearing about how there's going to be some sort of consolidation in Canadian diamonds. So Ooh. interesting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Consolidation. And, that could be a pun, you know, because like car- <laughs> carbon consolidated upon itself. I don't know, double bonded. Oh my gosh, diamond. you made a geology pun. That was that, that was like, yeah, but no, I think that was a little bit too far out there. That was that was too far out there, yeah. Maybe yeah. compact it. <laughs> Maybe the diamonds could be compacted. Get it, diamonds. There you go. That yeah. just okay. Just like, it, there you go. There can you we go. edit this back in? Yeah, we can we can <laughs> yeah. No, I, we need the we need the full raw experience. We'll, yeah. leave, we'll leave that in. It was like the the creation of a pun. Yeah. Under intense pressure. The yeah. creation of a pun. That's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so I just did that article and got some comments from him. Um, mm-hmm. He also gave me an update on the Victor. Um, oh, yeah. And the yeah. Victor is the uh, De Beers' other Canadian, Canadian producer. Yeah. And he really likes Victor. He mm. like speaks to it as if it's like his son. He's like, you know, Victor <laughs> is a really wonderful asset. I'll yeah. send it to university any day. Yeah. <laughs> and like, he was like, it's always been like a good producer. Um, it produces 600,000 carats. But as we all know, the uh, Victor is going to be exhausting its mine life by 2019. And he said that there's a lot of opportunity to extend that mine life um, also through the Tango extension. Oh, okay. Um, but also maybe pr- processing low-grade stockpiles there too. And he's pretty confident that they're going to get that past 2019 because it's such a wonderful little asset. Yeah, well, that's cool. That's and good news for Canada, too, if that's uh, Good news for the beers, too, because yeah. they've been like yeah. really falling behind in production because then I had to jump to their fiscal results. Yeah, it hasn't been that um, good, right? Well, yeah, no, because, yeah. I mean, the diamond market has been definitely like getting quite a hit as well. Yeah. And so they um, curbed their production, uh, fell 12% to 28.7 million carats, and a lot of those cuts came from Botswana. Botswana, okay. And when I asked shooter about it he says oh well they're doing it because they're the leader in Mm -hmm. diamonds and they just really want to actually kind of 
um, help boost the market by cutting back their production, right? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Not yeah. like OPEC does. No, yeah. Well, hey, we got the meeting well, coming we, up. We, we they might, they might be curtailing. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. Yeah. That's yeah, we'll true. cross our fingers. That's true. Yeah. So, um, and he goes, well, that's that's what they did. And of course, their the revenues were hit hard yeah. a bit. There was a 39% reduction in consolidated sale volumes. So mm-hmm. they only sold 19.9 million carats last year. And that drove revenue down 34%. To 4.7 billion. I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. there was a bit of a hit there, and he reckons that there's going to be no more production cuts for De Beers Canada this okay. year, and of course they're going to be having more carrots coming online from um, Gatchukway. Yeah. And uh, they were starting to see some positive movement in the diamond market, specifically the rough diamonds yeah. demand, and yeah. so um, things are kind of moving along there. But they don't really expect anything. They're being they're being cautiously optimistic that you know. Yeah. The, so you just still got to be conservative. We always talk. They're about being very that. conservative, yeah. but yeah. not being conservative with the brand new office in Calgary. In Calgary with the self-driving cars and diamonds. Now, for the record De Beers yeah. does not have self-driving cars this is a jest because <laughs> <laughs> someone's going to call De Beers and be like we heard a wait se- don't they have it at their mind we heard a self-drive oh they might have those automated trucks those yeah. things are cool have yeah. you ever seen those they're really cool I want to yeah, do drones they, like, someone's going to call De Beers and be like I heard a self-driving car crash through your wall yeah. like, no 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 <laughs> it was a joke it. on the podcast oh, it, was, it didn't actually happen we that are not, we're not Google, responsible though. for anything that did happen to Google did it? yeah one of their self-driving cars crashed they keep crashing. I think it's a repeat. Of, like it's a problem. <laughs> like, and this doesn't surprise me. I mean, what the heck is what, like? It's a car with nobody driving it. What do you think's gonna happen? Yeah, it's gonna right? crash into the most immediate thing it can hit. they'll keep working on it. They'll keep working on it. Um, so that the De Beers story is going to be in our Diamonds magazine. That's right. Um, which, oh, if you're a subscriber, is, is complimentary, I believe. Um, so do subscribe. Head over yes. to the website. Please, uh, please hop on board. I think we have a special. Going Subscriptions on right now. are so cheap for Northern Miner. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. always like terrified. They're like, "How much is it going to cost?" I'm like, "Man, it's cheap as chips. How much is this? Like, hundred oh. for a basic yeah, subscription, for, for like 120 papers. bucks." Yeah, that's just the paper. If you want the hybrid, it's just a shade over 200 for the website. Then that's you for get, the year. Yeah, that's for the year, and it's you so get our cheap. access to our uh, our database, the Canadian Mines Handbook, which mm. kind of has. All details on all the production centers, I projects. Yeah, it's super... And a brief, like, good geology snapshots, yeah, too. super, super useful if you just kind of want to keep track of what's going on in the business. Um, so, yeah, and sorry, did you mention when the Diamond oh, Magazine yeah. was Oh, yeah, April 22nd. Out? Okay, April 22nd, yeah, yeah. Diamond and, Magazine. And Alicia's going to have so many awesome articles covering yeah. Diamond Market Outlook in depth, I'm sure. Yeah, there's, so. and there is some interesting stuff going on in Canada with um, with, with Kennedy. And, yeah, totally. And, uh, some mm-hmm. of the stuff like uh, North uh, Northern Arrow with the Piku stuff. I hear they've, right. they've identified a new target. Piku. Piku. I did it. Was it last week? I called it. I don't, I don't know. I, I can't. We can, absolutely. We are so confused. I'm like, was that last week I, or was that like when we did? Now it we're Friday? recording on an off day, so now I'm totally. Like, yeah, I'm totally flummoxed. screwed. I know. Yeah, um, Matt called it poo poo. That's not <laughs> like accident. not like a indicative of the quality of anything. Which is. Um, but yeah, and we also talked about that Kanalaski uranium stuff. We still haven't heard about that though. About the weird diamond staking in. in oh the yeah, there is that. There is so that too. So we're still paying attention to that. But uh, yeah, they haven't, they haven't optioned that yet, so we'll, we'll keep our burr, eye burr, 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 burr. Um, And the other thing is, uh, we wanted to update, Leslie's actually heading up to the cake conference Oh, I'm, hit, I'm going on a road trip. Yeah, road trip, Kamloops. I'm road trip Kamloops. to Kamloops. Yep. At 3 o'clock yep. today, I'm taking off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So is, did the conference start today or does it start tomorrow? It's going to start tomorrow. Okay. So um, Kamloops Exploration Group, if you're up there, come yep. find me. I will be there. I'm bringing some papers. Big, big, curly, frizzy hair glasses. You cannot miss me. The one talking a lot. The one, yeah, yeah, having a gab with some. Having a gab with somebody. Yeah, yeah, and you're bringing some papers. So bringing out lots of papers. Grab a, uh, a recent edition. Leslie will be up there with a few papers, so feel free to flag her down. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, so uh, the other thing uh, that's sort of coming down the pipe is 
Uh, Pike. 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 Oh, oh yeah, yeah. You did yeah. that. You did that on Friday, and I was I like, it. I got it. He said, it's Pike. coming down the pike. We had Pike, some Pike. sort of uh, our editor in chief, John Cummings, sent me like this, like myth- mythological, uh, mythological. <laughs> this this uh, uh, description of why it's coming down the pike versus coming down the pipe because. I feel coming down the pipe makes sense because that's where water goes. But apparently it's the pike because, well, let's just look it up here. I'm going to look it up for John's sake while we're on the air here. Uh, so so uh, it means, well, we know what it means, the idiom, which is a broad road. Oh, here we go. Turnpike. There we go. So there you go, John. <laughs> so the noun pike is short for turnpike, which is a broad road, sometimes a toll road. So coming down the pike. Apparently, it's a pretty antiquated term. But uh, so there. So now I'm still going to do that and have to correct myself every time. But now you know. And knowing's <laughs> half the battle. Um, so yeah. So without further ado, um, I think we will jump right into... Twitter. Definitely. Tweets. Tweets. Uh, yep. Our tweets of the week. Yeah. Now, I... <laughs> Didn't update these since Thursday, so if I missed something uh, fundamental here, I apologize because I had, didn't have a chance uh, after our little technical snafu. But I do have some cool stuff here. So the first one is uh, a CBC tweet, um, and it's uh, we talked about last week the cool stuff like the airship and the robots that are like the autonomous robots that are exploring the underwater mines. Yeah. So now I'm trying to get like a cool innovation tweet every week because I really like Transformers. Oh, that's such a good idea. Um, so this one is uh, a Northern Ontario company is being awarded a Canadian Space Agency contract on a multi-purpose device that's designed for future mining on the moon and Mars. Um, so Delteon Innovation, I believe they were given about $700,000. So this device is, uh, it's installed on the end of a robotic arm and it's designed to drill into rock and other materials to capture samples. But why would you ever want to, what do you want from the moon? I think it's water on the moon oh. is that they can drill into whatever the ice caps or whatever. I'm no spaceman, but, <laughs> but it, it, like, I think, I think <laughs> some of the upside is that if like the astronauts can stop by the moon and refill their water, then oh, they like don't a have little to, cash yeah, or something like that. Water cash. Someone's going to tweet me and be like, Matt, you do not know what you're talking about. And I'll be like, that's fair. <laughs> I did read that somewhere though. So, um, and then another one that uh, came across this is from the guardian. Um, and we talk about this quite a bit. Uh, there's some press going on right now about, uh, about, uh, human rights and mining and things like that. So this is an interesting one that came across my desk. Um, illegal gold mining drives human rights abuses in Latin America claims, claims find. Um, so illicit, the illicit gold trade has led to the displacement of people, uh, uh, human trafficking, sexual exploitation, child labor, and a bunch of other terrible stuff. Uh, this is a study by the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organized Crime. Um, and the interesting stat that came across this tweet was uh, illegally mined gold is overtaking cocaine to become Peru and Colombia's most lucrative illicit export. So, it's illegal mining. Yeah, that's <clears throat> illegal mining. So. And it just said, uh, the quote was, uh, cultivation of criminal mining in many Latin American countries is fueling staggering human rights abuses. So we always know when, when um, uh, Canadian companies go abroad, uh, you see in Africa uh, quite a bit, Western Africa, I think we dealt with it in um, some, a little bit in Ghana in the early days and stuff, is, is illegal mining, like unpermitted mining. Oh, it's, it's awful. Yeah, and it can be like... Pretty, it can get really messy, like well, especially if you're trying to help the government regulate it, or yeah. and then it can get violent. Yeah, it's pretty terrible. So, interest, like they said, it's it's really becoming a problem in in South America. Like they they're having huge issues with it. So they have it in Lombok too. When yeah. I was there, there was yeah. a whole bunch, and apparently they only live till they're about fifty years old. Well, that's the, like I've heard 
because they're just dealing with mercury. They're yeah, like, here, that's look what it is. Mercury. Yeah. They're like handing me it to yeah. me. I'm like, no, no, no thank no, you. I don't want to touch Didak that. Didak Maui That's terrible. Didak that's um, so yeah, so uh, that's a good one. The other one uh, that we are continue to follow along, and this is a um, a tweet from uh, from Susan Taylor, who's a reporter at Routers, uh, is that uh, it, an Indonesia group just got a loan to buy Newmonts in uh, uh, assets in country in Indonesia. <gasps> oh yeah. So we talked about this. So um, sad. An Indonesian group has obtained seven hundred and fifty million dollar loan from two state owned banks to help purchase. Uh, a controlling stake in Newmont Mining Corp's Indonesian operations, which includes your uh, your favorite uh, mine there. Batu Hijau. Batu Hijau. It's my favorite place in the world. Yeah, yeah. and Liz- Leslie spent a lot of time in Indo. So yes. we, uh, we do have, I believe, a, a brief story about Indonesia. Oh, it, I think, yeah, the last podcast we got into a little bit of we a did. Yeah. ramble. So why don't you... Why don't well, Batu Hijau, I've been noticing it in the newswires that Newmont is selling Batu Hijau. Yeah, yeah. Um, or they're trying to. And one Indonesian consortium group, I think, has it labeled at $2.2 billion. But, you know, they have to actually get the approval of the government to approve that. Yeah, I just saw that. Which yeah. is kind of hilarious. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, gosh. There's so much turmoil going on in Indonesia when it comes to their new mining law that they introduced in 2014, yeah. which was when I was there. Okay. And um, I had been traveling there with Jeff Kaiba. He's a regional geologist <laughs> here in British Columbia. And we were, um, I had a broken nose. I had broken my nose yeah. surfing. I got the board right in the face. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I heard the locals were telling me that there was this like infamous Dr. E. What? From the Batu Hijau Mai. I hope he lives on the top of a mountain. Right? And okay, of course, like no one can speak English. So I'm just yeah. trying to speak to them in, in what Indonesian I do know. And they're like, go visit Dr. E in the hills. And I'll I said, and I was like, okay, okay. So Jeff and I went on this huge mission to find him. We got totally lost. It was the middle of the night. Um, I was like, you know, in bull dust. And, and the next thing you know, this guy comes up and he's like, oh, let me help you. And it turns out it was the mine manager from Batu Hijau. Oh, no way. And I said, oh my God, this is exactly what I need. Can you please take me up to see your Dr. E? And he's like, yeah, yeah absolutely. And he brings me up there and I meet the doctor. And then I became friends with everybody. Yeah. And they showed me around their mine site. Yeah. And it was, they were in Force Major at the time. Yeah, they were. Yeah, that's right. That's and right. there was like 121 trucks just lined up like ducks in a row. And, and their mill was like dead silent. Yeah. And it was really yeah. creepy. And uh, they were just explaining everything to me. And anyway, we used to hang out every Saturday. Yeah. And I mean, you can put a price tag on uh, Newmont's Batu Hijau Mount all you want, but yeah. you cannot put a price tag on their Batu Hijau Hash House Harriers. Oh, you got you to gotta tell me what that is. Every Saturday, <laughs> they get together for a run yeah. through the bush, yeah. just totally charging through it as fast as you can. Yeah. And at the end of it, you stand in a circle and just like a bunch of good little expats, you do songs and you chant and you do really weird things. It and sounds it's like there's drinking. <laughs> this, you have it? It, it's optional. Oh, okay. okay. There's, no, there's no peer <laughs> pressure here. No. And you're all each given a name. And of course, my name happened to be, I was I was at Brand at My Name on Canada Day because yeah. I won the Canada Day race. Oh, you did? Thank okay. you. Thank okay. you. And they were giving out white Russians. Yeah. And I was bestowed the name of Curly Fries. White Russians. That's like the Big Lebowski drink. I know. I feel like that's a bad drink In the middle of in a tropical like yeah. jungle it's is like a bit milk. weird. Milk was bad. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great day. It was a great day. It was a fantastic day. So I was like, you cannot put a value on the Hash House Harriers. Yeah. So if that Indonesian consortium takes it, I mean, when, when I go back to Sambawa to surf my favorite waves, yeah. what am I going to do? Who am I going to hang yeah, out with? Yeah, you got to 
hang out with the e-juice. I mean, and no one's going to call me curly fries and like point at me with their elbows. <laughs> and only people who know about Hash House Terrier Runs just know what I just did. Just, just there, there. I see. You can't, you is, can't point at people. There's you elbow pointing elbows. going on yeah, there's in elbow. studio. Anyway, I, I was absolutely... Um, devastated here, the news, yeah. and I do. Uh, I'm actually trying to contact my friends down there and be like, "What's going on? Tell me the inside scoop." Yeah, yeah. See what's going on. Yeah. So Maybe we are. We get me down there. <laughs> continue to watch that. That you mentioned the newest piece that came out is that they do need government approval. So it's kind of yeah. There's some. We'll see if it actually happens. I mean, uh, this thing's. Well, the asset package has been on the market for a while. Newmont's kind of made it known they're going to sell it, mm. but again, they have to uh, jump all the. Uh, so-called uh, regulatory hurdles and all yeah, that Yeah, and it keeps done. getting like valued less and less. Mm-hmm. Now, um, FYI, I just finished a story on Asia Met, who's a junior explorer, oh, okay. probably the, right. one of the only few Western junior explorers in Indonesia still. Yep. And they are having a, they just released their maiden PEA for oh, their okay. BKM deposit oh, in Kalimantan. Oh, that's special. And I yeah. touched on um, some of the, the political things that are happening. Cool. In, so our readers do have access to that bit of information. That'll be coming out this week. FYI, week. you read yeah. a lot of this information on the internet and it's all over the place. Like mm. there's some, there's a lot of sources that get it wrong, yeah. a little bit confused yeah it's a bit muddled but anyway and so that's going to be in our cover special again we'll, we'll oh yeah that's, this that's week. coming out on well essentially wednesday thursday friday yeah, you wednesday, can probably thursday. get your hands on it depending on how your circulation runs but uh there's a few cool things in there um leslie as we mentioned did look at some copper in Indo- indonesia on the junior side which is rare uh my article yeah, on rico cool. metals and comes in bc will be in there and we've got a few other really cool things so make sure to check out our copper special this week uh, i believe the our our awesome layout crew in toronto will be working on that tomorrow um and then just to wrap up our tweets there is a an ongoing election in peru as we speak i had a tweet about it and then i was like oh gosh is this happening like right now so um the daughter of peru's disgraced former president kiku fujimori is heading for a runoff um with uh with with another candidate kuzinski so there's a a bit of a everyone's kind of keeping their eye if you have a vested interest in Peru, a project there, just kind of keeping their eyes on who's going to win the election. Um, and I, I, from what I gather, most of the candidates are, are you know, fairly resource friendly. So, But it's going on right now. So this is live on Twitter. Um, there's going to be, uh, looks like there's going to be a runoff down there in that election. So that's going on right now. So do check that check out. It, check it, check it. Check it, check uh, it. We will keep our eyes on that. Um, and the other thing, uh, there is a, one thing I'll be covering this week is we always talk about the Tosico Raging River. Raging River. Raging River. You never want to get into a fight with anybody named Raging River. Yeah. I did. You were you here when I got a call from the CBC about it? Oh yes. I heard yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I'm so like, CBC is like, calling Matt. What is going on yeah. with these guys? Cause they're putting out these like, uh, like really f- inflammatory press releases, like calling each other like scammers and doing all this insane stuff. Uh, there was actually just a new like so so anyway raging river this is the first time one of the first times i've heard this happen i've seen it happen a couple of times but they're actually holding a conference call not the company the the proxy guys are holding a conference call on wednesday so i'm going to hop on it <laughs> and see what is going this on this is going to be amazing it might be amazing i'm hoping that like the Tosico guys get on the conference call and start like trying to get into the queue to make comments right right. if i can get that on tape we're running that on the podcast because that's going to be spectacular you know some of these press releases it's kind of hilarious you know that golden rule at work it's like if you're really angry yeah don't do it don't send an (laughs) email um you know you gotta you gotta sit on it for a little while but i feel like with tosico and raging river they sit down they're like i'm gonna write my press release right now right now i swear i'm just gonna and do the, it. the most like i just got another like these guys email me a uh, minimum once a day from from both sides like the tosico and raging river sides so they i think this was was this this morning yeah it's six eight six a.m 
6 a.m. Um, so Raging River has asked the BC Supreme Court for an order authorizing it to bring legal proceedings on behalf of DeSeco Mines against the conflicted directors and for an order to stop further entrenchment by preventing shares inappropriately acquired by the conflicted directors. Jesus, this is... Anyways, so what they did... I'm not going <laughs> to read that all out because that's a lot of legalese right there. Is and this th- is our job to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so they think that there's uh, obviously a Hunter Dickinson component to H... Uh, or HDI, as you might know, which is a, you know, which like they're like a private sort of, yep. like they provide services or, but I, I call them more of a public company incubator because they like do their own kind of exploration and they put them into public companies. But anyway, so, so uh, Bob Dickinson, Russ Halbauer and Ron Thiessen are involved in Tosico, either directors, Russ Halbauer is actually president and CEO, I believe. Um, but the Raging River guys are saying there's a conflict of interest and these guys are all doing a bunch of illegal stuff. And so now they're, I guess, taking it to the BC Supreme Court. So this is oh. getting even funner. So oh my God, poor Ron Thiessen. He's already got to contend uh, with uh, Northern Dynasty yeah, yeah, and everything going on up there. It and must be... Uh, to the left, to the right, he's got people yeah, around him. It's a, uh, a bit, probably a bit of a madhouse over at the HDI offices, I would not, yeah. not doubt. So I will be hopping on that conference call on Wednesday and we'll be hoping for some fireworks because that's what we do here. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so that... I think pretty much wraps it up. That wraps uh, it up for the third time. Yeah. Let's all cross our fingers that Matt doesn't lose this it's recording. Hat-trick. Yeah, yeah, You've hat-trick. got this. We're good. We're not going to Groundhog Day it again. No, there'll be no Bill Murray. <laughs> no Bill Murray. No, we want Bill Murray. We he do can, want. He can come on anytime. He can come on. Bill, if Bill, you're listening, Bill. come on the podcast. Oh my god, I would drink with him. It would be awesome. <laughs> it would be sweet. That would be the best podcast ever. We'd be so popular. <laughs> be so we would talk not about mining at all. Uh, I don't, like, we should, maybe we should start like kind of I'll email tagging him. him. I'm sure, yeah. yeah. He, apparently, did you ever hear this? Bill Murray doesn't have an agent. He has a, a voicemail. And if you have a script you want to pitch him, you just phone and leave a uh, voicemail. No way. Maybe I'll phone and just like leave a voicemail pitching him for our podcast. I heard about the time when he <laughs> went up to some guy in, like, in a fast food chain, walked up behind him, yeah. took a french fry off his tray, and looked him straight in the face and said, no one's going to believe you, and walked away. This guy's a legend. <laughs> Which I'm like, this Bill guy's Murray a legend. We could do a podcast on Bill Murray stories, but we won't because this is a mining podcast. True, true, right, right. So we will leave you Stay again. Le- Leslie's about to head up to Keg, so if you're going to go Keg, to Keg, please do uh, flag her down. I'm gone, um, but, but yeah. I will be back in time for Thursday. Oh, perfect. For so that's podcast. when we will be recording again. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So thanks again for joining us, and we hope Thank you have you. a good week. Um, this uh, is Matt. This is Leslie signing off. Bye.